0: Hey guys, thank you so much for stopping by Legend Church's weekly podcast. Just a quick reminder, you can check us out at legendchurch.com, find us on Facebook and Instagram, and Sunday mornings in Madisonville. But hey, without further ado, set the cruise control, start Matt Marun, or grab a drink, and let's talk about all things Jesus. Good morning, you guys got quiet fast today, I think whenever it's awkward, everyone talks forever and I have to stand here, but then when I really need time, everyone stops talking, it's so um, uh, good. Uh, thank you guys for being here, um, true disclosure, uh, last weekend I wasn't here, I had a family wedding, a family funeral. And Wednesday, when I got back, I was like, I'm still really tired. I'm really exhausted. So I'm going to fake some energy right now and just pretend like I am A-OK. But uh, I do that every day. Um, There's this verse that popped into my head uh, out of Philippians that I, uh, for some reason, this week just stuck with me all this week. And uh, it says, in this I'm confident that he who began a good work in us is still working. That's sort of my version of it. But I just love that idea of he who began a good work in me, which I really like that. Um, uh, who, show of hands, who was raised in the church or in like maybe religion, any sort of system? Uh, now, uh, that's, that's, that's majority. Um, uh, who has felt like they either have or maybe are currently um, for lack of a better term, like deconstructing some of what they had to reconcile with what they think now. Is anyone in that camp? Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, we are a good church for that, I think. Um, we sort of like uh, breed that. Um, uh, Jason hates the term deconstruction. He gets like. Uh, Jason does an eye roll. Jason goes, "This is what. That's what he does." You can always tell when when we're together and someone says something. It's just, because he knows, don't say what you're thinking, just be cool, that's sort of what, uh, Jason, we hear that term a lot as we meet people, because it's a true thing, it's a lot of deconstructing some, and there's so many different reasons. Um, I actually, I, I heard the term a couple years ago, and I, it pops up a lot, um, it's kind of a popular term, so I wanted to talk about it for a second. I I just was like, well, how do you really, I I think I know how I define what deconstruction of your faith uh, is, but how do you define it? So I went to Google, and I was like, definition of Christian deconstruction, and uh, the first thing that popped up was this article from Christianity Today, and I'm like, if Christianity Today is talking about it, this is old. This, I don't think that they're relevant. And I was like, everything you read here think the opposite, um, which is probably not good. But that's what I did. Uh, but they're so um, we have a way that we were raised. And some of us deconstruct um, because we saw no value in what that was or what it was doing for people. Um, some of us were raised in this very strict sort of uh, sort of culture, and we bring that down. Uh, some people were very, very violent. Uh, they said things and that they were horrible. Uh, and the idea behind deconstruction is that we've had real, real experiences with God. Um, and we don't, and we, we've learned to separate that from some of these really bad experiences from religious systems. So anyways, um, my, actually, I think I did this, but I think I did it really early on. I was raised in the church, and there was a time, I think, I was, it was definitely in elementary school. This is the first time I remember thinking, something's wrong here. Uh, we had a missionary come to our church, um, and she was on stage, and she was talking about what she was doing in Costa Rica. I remember all of this, and I'm listening, because any there was a guest speaker at our church, it was always great, because like, it was so boring all the time. And I was like, oh, she's talking. I was like, this is great. So She's talking about all the stuff she's doing. And she said this thing. She said, I'm the pastor, the leader of this church in Costa Rica. I'm leading the ministry. I'm the person in charge. And that was super problematic for me because my church told me that women can't do that. They were really big on that. It was a big deal. Women can't lead. Now, if you were a woman, you could teach the kids. You could uh, clean. <laughs> that was a great job. Uh, that was like cleaning the brass. They are like, oh, I'll polish the brass. The women do that. You could lead other women. You could uh, do anything. You could cook the food, uh, but you were not allowed to to preach, to be on stage, and they were really clear about that. And I remember thinking, well, this—you have this lady, and she's saying this. And so I think I went and asked my mom about it. My, mom, my parents were very just good churchgoers, and they're like, well, we don't know. Why don't you go ask someone else? Like, go ask the preacher. Like, he's, he's the one who said it. Uh, and so I, we were talking. I don't remember who it was, some elder or some pastor of our church. And I remember asking, like, why? You said we can't. And his answer was, well, they can over there. Uh, which I, don't ha- I didn't at the time in the 80s, you don't have the terminology, the, defin- the words that we have now. But basically, he was saying, it's okay for the poor folks. It's okay for the brown folks. It's not okay for the Americans. It's not okay for this white man. And it's not okay in this church, is what he was saying. And I knew that we, he, I, without knowing how to articulate it. I was like, something's not right here. Like, this isn't right And that started probably on my whole journey of, I like this thing, but there's so many things that seem off. Um, Somehow we're going to talk about Joshua today. We've been talking about that for a while. Um, Let's go through this story really quick. We're going to switch to the history thus far. So we've been in Joshua, we started, we skipped all the fun parts because I know most of you guys loved it, but like seven or eight years ago, we did Joshua like one through 13, and now we're picking it back up with the boring parts of Joshua, um, if you've been here. And so, uh, but the story is, you have these people uh, that were slaves in Egypt, right? They were, do a guy, do you think they really wore these robes that we always draw them in? Was that the best thing that they had at the time? He's got a beard, he's happy. So a guy and like a lady. She's tall. Look at that. Um, that's how we know they're ladies. And uh, so we have these two people. It's what? It's easy. You knew. You knew. You knew what? Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. We're not getting. Into that. Uh, so you have these. Uh, you have these people, right? And they're wa- And they were they were slaves. They were slaves in Egypt. They were Egyptians. Four hundred years your people are enslaved. They, you become an Egyptian. You're not. Uh, they didn't have the term, but they, they weren't Hebrews anymore. The way they worshiped God, the way they thought about God, the way that they practiced um, was more probably going to be very Egyptian. And something happens, right? We meet this guy, Moses, and, they, and, and there's the, the, the seven plagues, and they're freed. Uh, Moses gives them the name of their God. Um, they didn't have a name before, right? It was just the God who was the God of the Hebrews, and he gives them this name Yahweh. Uh, they have something to call it, and they witness this like stuff, right? The, like, pew, the parting of the Red Sea, uh, and then they, they knew. They started knowing about their god. Like, oh, we know that this isn't the god of the Nile or the god Pharaoh or the god of the sun or the god of the harvest. This is Yahweh, right? And what was it? Maybe the I am, I, I, the I am, the, the, the are you these things? Yes, I am. I am all things. So they have their own god, and... And they go, right? And then they're wandering the wilderness for 40 years because of all that. So they're wandering and wandering. And then when we get to Joshua, it's finally they go into this promised land. They get to go in and they get to uh, this land that they want and they're conquered. And that's all the fun part of Joshua. And then we picked up with this, like they're divvying it out now to all the tribes. All the tribes get a piece of this land. And we talked one week about Judah, like the big tribe that got a lot. And then there's these, um, they're actually in modern uh, Judaism, they're called like the Lost Tribes. These seven other tribes that kind of just disappear. Um, but, so that happens. They go, these seven tribes don't really grab their land. They sort of try and most of it doesn't work out. But then we have uh, if you, the next book is this book of Judges, where they're, they, they just aren't doing it. Because the idea... The idea behind this whole promised land thing, and we've talked about this in the last couple of weeks, is that God, Yahweh, was supposed to be seen in this, these two people, the people or not these two people, but Hebrews. They were, he was like, okay, you're going to be my people, which means you are going to be, when people look at you, because what, when I look at the golden calf, I think of Baal, and when I look at the Asherah poles, I think of Asherah, the god, or the statue of Dagon, like Every God had these things, and we see these little relics, and we know that's the God. And the God of the Hebrews said, hey, I don't do that because I want them, when they see you, they see me. You're the idol. You're the idol. When they see you, they should see love. They should see acceptance. They should see a different way to treat women, slaves, orphans, widows. They should see a way to invite the foreigner. They should see this different sort of world where we don't do child sacrifice and we don't have to mutilate ourselves and we don't have to, it's a different God, right? This is, and, and you go into this promised land, and you're supposed to be that. And then, man, it's gonna be awesome because people are gonna see you and then they're gonna see, uh, man, the God, right? It's gonna be great. And they don't, they really mess that up. And Judges, that's what's happening. I mean, I don't even know what my home church did with Deborah and Judges, like the prophetess, who that whole story is about women, uh, doing what the men can't, but you guys cannot speak at church there. It was bad. I think they're still like that. I don't know. I haven't been there. Um, shame, shame. Um, the, uh, but anyway, so that's what they were supposed to be, and they just they just mess it up. And so eventually, they actually do build a literal like house for God. So they build this house, and this house, which would be like the temple would be where, instead of it being here, this is where God lived. We, we built a house where God lives. Um, and this is, uh, I mean, there's cool things. There's David and Solomon. And that doesn't last long. They just utterly botched the whole project. And eventually the prophets come. And they're like, hey, something bad's coming. And it happens, right? They just, Babylon and Persia come and just burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground. There's nothing left this thing that represented God, where God lived, where our people, it is just toast. So it's gone. They come, and then they take all the people, right? All the people that are still alive, all the Hebrews, and it's called the Great Diaspora, where they just drop them off in different places. But hey, you're part of them now. You're part of this world. And a lot of them go to Babylon, and it's gone. Like, right? This is, uh, this is done. We defeated these people who came from the desert into the, the Canaan lands, um, they built something It was cool for a second, but they're done. Uh, so if this is deconstruction at its finest, right? Like, man, everything we thought we knew, all the systems that we had built, man, they became war traders. They became child sacrificers. They became all the things they weren't supposed to be. Um, and it burnt to the ground. And they, and they were left with just, hey, this is done. This God's dead. It didn't help out. It didn't do anything. Um, and so then we, got, we get to the, the book of Daniel, where you have a few people in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, if you remember that story, and Daniel, who sort of remember. They sort of remember. Man, there was something there. There was something that God did. There was these signs and wonders and other things. We messed it up. We built, this, we built something, some system that didn't work. Uh, but there was something and it survives. It survives this Babylonian exile to where they go back and they rebuild and they start doing that later. Uh, and they build the second temple. Actually, just fun fact, um, when we went to Israel, we went to the temple mounds, I asked Dr. Zees, who was here last week, I was like, hey, is there anything left from this first temple? And he's like, oh, yeah, sure, follow me. And I'm looking up at this giant thing. There's wailing walls and all this other stuff. i like, yeah, where is it at? Where is it at? And he takes me down, down, down. He's like, there's a step. There's a step like way down here. He's like, this step dates back to that time. So he's like, maybe this step. And that's all that was left of that first temple. And, uh, and so we, um, so man, they are, they're done. But then we have uh, uh, Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, and there. there's just this whisper. And my question for Jason in this week, and my question for this story is, how did it survive past that? Cause what we do know is everything we have written down. They wrote down the story after when they exited Babylon and they went back and started rebuilding Jerusalem and the city, that's when like, hey guys, we gotta write this stuff down. There's a lot. We can't I can't remember it all. And so they start writing it down. They write it down. And all the stories we get are gonna be post that, that Babylonian exile. Um, they're writing these things down. And my question was, how did it survive? How did it get there? Um, so that's sort of a question I have. But what survived was their laws, which seemed important. Um, I don't wish they weren't all L's, but they are. <laughs> lineage, that's not some cool pastor trick, it just is. Their lineage, like they still knew that who they were and what they were part of, even though it's, it definitely has nothing to do with DNA and race as much as just who they are. Um, and then their language. Their language survived. Like Hebrew should have been done then. Man, these people were destroyed. They've been cast out. Man, we shouldn't have this language anymore. Jason had a really cool tie-in with the language, and I took three semesters of Greek, and Greek was easy, and I loved Greek. I took one class of Hebrew tools, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I don't even understand squiggly lines. And so he had something really cool about Hebrew, but I was like, I can't remember what you said, so I am not doing that. Um, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like smart people stuff. Um, but so these things survived, and how? So let's, let's, let's leave that there for a second uh, and talk about I mean, where this fits in with what I consider my or modern or our deconstruction of something very similar. I think our, our stories are, when I read the story in Joshua, I'm like, this is exactly what we're going through, and probably always have. It's not new. It's a cycle, right? Uh, this is going to, man, it's going to happen when they, get, they build a second temple, and everything they believe is put into this, and it's destroyed. Um, the church is built and the church, man, by the time you get to the letters of Paul, man, they're already getting it wrong. they have they put they built a system that's not Jesus is not the things he's saying that we're supposed to be, and they have to rip that down. And you get all, you get it happens through Catholicism and it happens in the restoration and the reformation and all these movements of where we've built something that wasn't that doesn't seem right. There's something off about that. And it has to bring come down, and, I th- and we're definitely experiencing that, mainly on a lot of personal levels, I think, in our, our modern time. But um, uh, one thing I do think is uh, once you've heard one person's deconstruction story, you've just heard one person's. We all have a different story. Um, my second time that I started noticing that my church was weird, I've told this story before, but it's kind of like my favorite story. Um, I was a junior in high school, and I was at church camp. Church camp—I don't know if you've ever been to church camp, but it is a wild ride. And uh, and um, not really. Um, but Friday nights are like the, there's—they do a fire, a big bonfire. And Friday nights, like if they haven't gotten you that week, that's the night they're trying to get you. Like they—they they need you to rededicate or whatever it is you do. And um, and so there's a big play. There's a little production around the fire, and it's these two girls, Jennifer and Jessica and they're walking to judgment, and Jesus is sitting there on the throne, and he looks at Jessica, and he says, I know you. Go on in. And she starts walking stage right, and we're like, ooh, okay. And then Jennifer goes to follow Jessica, but he says, whoa. He's like, Jennifer, I don't know you. And she's like, what? What? And she starts screaming, and out of the literal darkness, there's people dressed like dementors, and they like start dragging Jennifer and she's screaming like no and she's screaming at Jessica and she's going why didn't you tell me and Jessica's over here in heaven I think going I'm sorry why didn't I tell you and they're like and it keeps going until she's drugged off and like and I remember sitting there as a junior and I just go yeah but I still get in right I still get in. Sorry, I didn't tell my friends. I should have. What, what? But I still get. To, she got to go in the good place still. She, I was like, well, it's not that important then, right? Like, uh, and I remember thinking at that moment, something is off. This isn't. This isn't it. This isn't it. Uh, and I didn't know what it was. And then, uh, so, but that made me, like, I started getting into, like, well, what am I doing with this whole church thing? And so then, my senior year, we had this youth pastor who was, like, and uh, you know how youth pastors are. They're horrible. Um, And he was really into this thing called apologetics. And apologetics, uh, something that had been around, it's been around for a long time, but it's the defense of the faith is what it is. And it's this very evangelical Christian sort of that's not definitely evangelical, but it's just very Christian practice of how we defend the faith against other smart people, right? So uh, it would be—and it's all this stuff. I got really into There's a book called Evidence That Demands a Verdict by Joshua McDowell and one called Letters to a Skeptic, where this guy's writing. And it's all this, like, smart things uh, about, like, why you should believe, and it's documents and facts. It's, it's definitely not for me, but I thought it was for a year. I was like, okay, I'm going to do all this stuff. And so I, I learned all these things about how to defend the faith, as if it needed me. And um, uh, I went to school, and there was this guy who was kind of a friend, and he was not in. And I'm, I'm using I'm using all this stuff. So I went, and I engaged in a conversation. I was like, well, "What did you know? Blah, 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 blah. And I start regurgitating these facts, and I'm ready, because it prepare, apologetics prepares you for whatever, whatever they're going to come back at you with. You got an answer. And he's, he looks at me, and I say all this stuff, and he goes yes, so I don't care. And they did not prepare you for so I don't care. It didn't prepare you for that. There was nothing that was like, if they say so, I don't care about anything you say, there was nothing to be like, yeah. but I was like, but that, that broke me. I was like, oh, you don't care. Well, I guess none of this matters at all. And so I, I never learned a bit of apologetics again, because it was dumb and it's not my thing. I'm sure, sorry if you like that stuff. Um, But I was like, he just said so, I don't care. I was like, something's off about this, right? There's just uh, so much of these, you know, you grow up in church, and again, they build this structure that, um, hey, this is what church is. My church was really into purity culture. That was like a huge thing. Um, uh, sexuality was like all of it to them. Like that, I would have left probably high school thinking, it's all about this, right? Um, but in our churches all have built different structures about what it is to be defined in this system. And what happens for a lot of us is that we get into the world and we find out that the structure is just burned down because people can just say so, I don't care. Uh, and it's burned down. And somehow... Uh, and we go either two ways, right? There's some of us like, yeah, screw it all, I'm done. Uh, but this, but God, um, some of the laws, like some of the things, there's, there's good things that I learned. Um, there's good things about what my parents and that church passed into me. Um, and there's language that I use that's part of this whole journey that I've kept on to, even though that whole thing was burned to the ground. Um, there, let's, let's bring this back to Joshua. There's this uh, verse in Joshua uh, uh, 18 where they've all gone into the land. They've all, they're, they're getting there. Judah's went and conquered his thing. Remember, we have Caleb, and Caleb's like the good guy, and Caleb did what's right. And then we get to 18, and it says this. Uh, Joshua's looking at the Israelites, and he goes how, to these other tribes that haven't done anything. He says, how long will you wait before you begin to take possession of the land the Lord, the God of our ancestors, has given you. The God's given you this gift, and you have done nothing with it. How long will you wait? And my, me and Jason were sitting having coffee this week, and I was like, What happened to these other tribes? And he's Not, We don't know. They just sort of disappeared into history. We remember Judah, we remember Benjamin, we remember some of these tribes because throughout that. Uh, time in Babylon, when everything else was being brought down, there were stories still being passed on to children, stories being passed on to each other, stories about God, stories about something different. And it seems like these tribes, Judah, Benjamin, these big ones, who we've seen in the beginning, I think as the author is writing this, he's showing us These people who did the work. God gave them a gift, and they took care of it. And, man, they brought this out. And the people who just were like, ah, I'm done. It, it was, the world was deconstructed, and they're like, I'm stunned." done. I mean, they just disappeared, and they had this gift, and they squandered it. And so the thing for us is, I mean, we've all, man, uh, the, it's, it's no surprise, religion and church has hurt and done some horrible things. Uh, and I think that we're here today, and, and we still in, because we know that, or we at least have an inclination that that wasn't God, that was just people, and people are stupid, um, but there's something, there's something. I've had an experience, I've had a Red Sea moment. There's something that God's doing. And uh, it's worth holding on to these things. Uh, and even further, it's worth passing on to our children and to the people around us. And I think if you've ever had that experience, if you got to grow up into the church, it is a gift. It is a gift. Even if some of the bad things, like there is a gift there that you've been given that now we can either take and use uh, to make it bigger. To make, uh, I always, uh, My mom asked me a question the other day. I was like, hey, anything you say that makes God smaller is probably wrong. Anything that makes God bigger is probably on the right track. And I think that's what we get to do now. We get to take that gift and make it bigger. Um, and we mess up when we, don't, when we do nothing with it and we don't pass that along. That it's important that these stories and this faith that you have and this gift that you've given is passed on. And just to take it one more step, uh, Jason and I have not hidden the fact that we're using this whole Joshua thing as a metaphor for us as a church wandering in a location that we don't own to a permanent location probably soon at some point. (laughs) You like that? Probably soon at some point. Um, And what does that mean for us as a church? What does that mean? And uh, so far as I've gone through Joshua, the answer is work. It means doing good work. And we as a church, when we move into this permanent location, I don't want us to become more stagnant that we're there, but that we're doing things and we're alive and well and we're passing on this good gift that we have. Um, the last caveat to add to it uh, as we go into our communion time uh, is that for me, it, where it became real was had nothing to do with the church and it had everything to do... With really falling in love with the person of Jesus. Um, I would read and I would, and the, the feeling I have and the experience I had uh, with this Jesus is what makes me still stay in. And to this day, I get to say I follow, I don't follow the church, I don't follow a denomination, I don't follow a belief system. I follow Jesus. Uh, and that's important to me, and it's big, and it's open, and it's wide. Um, and so, as we come to the table today, um, it, it, I, I would probably agree that most of it means nothing without, uh, without this. Um, so the way that we do it is the band's going to sing a song, um, and as they sing and as you sing, you can come down at any time with a friend, with, by yourself, with family. Uh, take the communion. Man, remember, think of Jesus. And this phrase, that he who began a good work in us, at some point God began a good work and my my goal and my job still, all of us is to see that good work out um, i'm going to pray, and we 're done. God, thank you for uh, thank you for uh, allowing us to take stories into the scriptures and play with them and attach them to our world uh lord I am i I, I apologize for the um, hard Things the church has done to people in the past, to women, to uh, man my my gay friends, uh, to people who have had affairs, and people who have messed up, and people who have uh, done drugs and drank too much, where the churches say so horrible things about people, or people who um, have gotten caught and didn't. And, and they're persecuted for who they are. Uh, man, the church has done some horrible things, and I know that you weep with that. Uh, Lord, my prayer is that we are not that, and that uh, we get to say, we're not gonna leave the work of the church to those kind of people, and we're gonna do it ourselves, and we're gonna do it the way that you want us to do it, and I hope that we don't leave those scars. But Lord, be with us as we don't just deconstruct, but we reconstruct, that we build new, Uh, that we uh, make, redefine old terms uh, and redefine Jesus for people all the time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.